the Fancy Film Fellows employs a frank discussion of cinema that includes adult language and descriptions of mature situations. We have no concern for spoilers, so be warned, you might learn more than you'd care to know. Slumber Party Cinema. Hello, fancy friends. It has been a while. Uh, I am finally back hosting an episode. It's it's good lord. It's been almost what like two years since I hosted an episode. I can't I can't believe it. Um, gosh, how how is everybody? Uh, right next to me is Ruben. It has not been a while. <laughs> I'm on every episode. Yeah, it's not 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 been a while for you, but but for me for sure. Um, and to my right, we have a special guest, first time on the podcast. Yes, it is is definitely been a long time for me. Uh, <laughs> my name is uh, Colin Alby. I am a I am a fellow film traveler. Patrick and I did some college and some movie stuff in our we in our paths have crossed over the years. Yeah, and you actually work in television now too. Yeah, yeah that is a I, I, which is technically adjacent, I suppose. <laughs> I work uh, I work at a loc- at the CBS Birmingham affiliate, which is you know, and I do video editing. So yeah, good um, times. I, I'm. I'm not exactly living the dream, but you know. Hey, I mean, you know, it's, it's steady work. It's it's yes. good to find steady work in your your chosen field. I know how hard that can be. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, we're all gathered here today to do a slumber party cinema. Uh, we're going to talk about the brand spanking new uh, somebody who who it's also been a while since we've heard from them. A David Cronenberg movie, Crimes of the Future. Uh, I think it's been something like. Uh, we did Cosmopolis. Seven? No, yeah, co- um, not seven. No, um, he did uh, Maps of the Stars, though. I think after that. Oh, I thought you were saying since we talked about him on the oh, podcast. Since, not since we talked about him. No, no, no. Since since he made a movie. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> it's it's been a minute. Um, yeah, I know. I was I was speaking of course that he he's been out of the movie game almost as long as we've had this podcast. Uh, believe it or not, hasn't he been one of those guys who kind of has leaned into some documentaries over the past in the past decade? Or am I thinking of someone I, else? I, he might have. I'm yeah. not really sure. I mean, he he's probably done some stuff with like Canadian TV that I haven't been privy to. Um, yeah, because I know he yeah. works very closely with a lot of the like the actual like because Canada has like an actual government funded like film branch, which is like something that the united states has no idea what what that even is they'd be like what the government paying to paying people to make movies what we don't understand what that is how, how do you make any money off of that um so but yeah that's it's great to see that david cronenberg's back in the game um he's he's always been like one of my favorite filmmakers uh since i got interested in movies um and i guess this could like technically also almost be a how you holding up like for david cronenberg in general for me because like i don't think i've gosh when was the last time i watched i mean how old is this guy well he's i don't know how old cronenberg is he's he's 
Got to be in his 70s at this point. I mean, he was a youngish guy in the 80s, right? Yeah, yeah. He was like an up-and-comer in the 80s, and he's, yeah. he's definitely like one of the elder statesmen. Um, his first film was like 75, he, and I don't think he was 18 years old when he made it. <laughs> he old. <laughs> yeah, he's up there. So he's in his 80s then. <laughs> is this not a math pod? nobody knows nobody knows. oh yeah this would normally be the googling section but we don't actually have it's a too, computer it's open too early. i mean we have our phones but yeah yeah sure. i i don't have my phone with me i i put my phone to the side um yeah. i actually probably need to put my phone on silent um you'll probably oh, hear like a, a wilhelm scream or something from my uh my that's my little like notification things so but yes the the loose theme for this year is bests and like you know that's a pretty wide theme but last the last podcast the one that will be released before this one we went over one of the films from my favorite director in my 20s which was Akira Kurosawa Cronenberg was yeah Patrick's favorite director uh, in probably, his 20s yeah. now we're going to be discussing one of his films and I guess I'll say that I am I guess coming into this podcast is a bit of a Cronenberg noob okay um, that's interesting that's yeah that, that's pretty cool because he, he's like he is a pretty like well-respected director in, in film circles so it's it's oh, always yeah. cool to get somebody who like hasn't experienced his film bef- films before I, the only one i've seen is the fly okay which All is right. i guess is that basically his blockbuster that that or it's it's certainly his, his conventional hollywood movie i i think so i think it's the one that a lot of people know just because it's like jeff goldblum it's like gene you know, davis yeah jeff goldblum and gene davis and it was like a big hit when it came out too so it was like pretty cool but yeah yeah history of violence and um eastern promises i think were the ones where he actually got like a lot of oscar acclaim too okay, yeah, so because yeah. i know that uh i know vigo mortensen was nominated for those movies i think both of them and um pretty sure there were some other nominations that those movies got but like a lot of people you know kind of started doing a little bit more of a critical reappraisal of his movies after those two came out and it was it was more like oh he's this he was a guy who was known primarily for doing horror movies before that, but this was him more kind of moving into, I guess the, uh, I don't know the the dramatic the, world the, if you the, the... the mainstream sort of <laughs> uh, respectable, you know yeah he took Os- a little Oscar-y break movie. from what made him famous he did those he did Cosmopolis he did that movie about Freud oh yeah Perfect. dangerous method dangerous yeah. method. Um, Map to the Stars. They were all, they all had horror as like a spice. <laughs> yeah, it was like there was like a flavor, little bit of yeah, but not definitely not like the body horror yeah. of like his past. Unless you want to count like the one part where Robert Pattinson shoots his own hand. <laughs> oh, yeah, body horror has always been his milieu, um, and it's it's something that he's sort of like. And now he's back. Yeah, now he's <laughs> I would say so. To, yeah, so let's let's I guess start by talking about the movie that we're talking about today, Crimes of the Future, um, which I know he made a short film called Crimes of the Future in the seventies. I don't know if this takes from the story of that movie. Well, what I've I read, never seen it. I probably sure know as much. As, yeah, you know. Okay, so. I don't know exactly. I was watching like a little bit of an interview with him. I didn't watch the whole thing, but he was talking about how, uh, like. You know, basically, the main thing that he changed from, like, an old script that he had in the 90s or something was the microplastics. Like, almost everything else was, like, kind of similar. 
and mm-hmm. like his major update was just like I'm gonna add microplastics so that it's like modern. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's wow. That's... Well, yeah, my only right Wikipedia thing was that it he took the name of that original sort of short film, but it has nothing to do with it. I do okay. think it's a it's a it's a sort of drolly funny title for this movie. It, I, it, I haven't really figured. Yeah, yeah, because because if you hear that title, you don't you think of like future. You're like, oh, it's, <laughs> it's crimes of the future. It's going to be like something based around computers or whatever. And like, there's almost like computers are almost not even thought about in this movie. It's more all just like organic, like body stuff. Yeah, like completely. I mean, there's technology in the movie. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, there's but... technology, but it all the biggest works. piece of technology yeah. is basically like the Futurama suicide machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and it all like it doesn't look like you would think of like computers looking too. It's all like fleshy, and it's it's very much drawing from that uh, that aesthetic that he had in Existence where all of the technology is like very fleshy <laughs> and even though it's like video game controllers it's like you insert it into somebody's body and you like control them and then there's like a gun that's made of bones and you know it's it, it, it this movie is definitely like solidly in that vein uh for him um but i guess the first thing that we got to do is we got to go around and uh here do you want to give a little plot like, Oh yeah, well, Just I, I I guess I should <laughs> tell people what the movie um, entails. Basically, um, so it takes place in kind of undetermined like amount of time into the future, uh, where people no longer feel pain. So that's something that's sort of established up front, and then we learn that certain human beings are sort of like beginning to grow new organs um it's like there's two separate pieces of major world building that have their own crazy implications yeah but but that (laughs) but that is basically like some most people it's happening to them like not voluntarily but then like some people it is kind of hinted at that it's happening voluntarily like they're trying to do it like so Viggo Mortensen plays a character who is like a performance artist and his performance art is just growing new organs and uh, uh and having them removed yes and having them removed by his uh his partner is Le- uh, Leah Sedu is that her name mm-hmm. yeah Leah Sedu is his partner and she does the surgery on him and they have this sort of like big surgery machine and they do live sh- they surgery do, yeah, shows. Live surgery shows. Uh, good old David Cronenberg going right back to the art and body horror uh, stuff that he loves to go back to. But then there's this uh, sort of central mystery in the movie about these, this sort of like, I guess, group of, you could call them mutants, who eat plastic. And the leader of this mutant group comes to... Uh, Viggo Mortensen's character and is like, "Hey, do you want to do a surgery on a on a dead body?" BT dubs the body as a child, and it's my son. And like, I basically like want you to show everybody his organs because he's one of these mutants who eats plastics. And like, this is the future, and, and it's natural and I it's good. You, and yeah, yeah. To accept it, and there's some yeah. in- implications there, there's a, that this is frowned upon. Yeah, it, it's it's a whole big thing. Um, but yes, that's the the general thrust of the plot is uh, Vigo's character trying to figure out, and it's also 
sort of revealed that he's like a little bit like working as an undercover cop. He's a little bit narking out people in the. In the he's uh, an informant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because he he goes to like register his new organs at the organ registry, and he's uh he's got a, a police like. Uh, contact Reason. that he always meets yeah he like meets and talks to about all this stuff but you know it's it comes down to that decision of like do I side with the mutants who believe that this is like next step in human evolution and we're actually like turning back in and sort of eating our own waste that we've been making or do I like sell them out and you know stop this thing from happening so i i don't i don't want to give away the end of the movie i know we give away spoilers eventually but um i guess that's like enough of what the movie is about really uh and i will throw it over to ruben to hear his thoughts on this movie sure well you can take this with a large grain of salt if you want because i fell asleep but this is my <laughs> least favorite movie of the year oh and it's wow. like okay by a pretty significant margin um i and it's i guess it's kind of a a little bit of a new thing for me because like i don't super have any problems with this thematically i'm sure we'll talk about some of the thematic implications that i essentially agree with more later it's that um cronenberg this movie could have come out 40 years ago and like been no different like uh i don't know if i've ever talked about the last duel on the podcast but i had kind of a similar experience with both movies where there's a scene at the beginning of the movie where i'm like oh this director hasn't changed their style or aesthetics in 30 years why do i still care about them if they're like not doing anything new and uh i kind of checked out pretty quickly and then Kristen Stewart showed up and I was like oh I love Kristen Stewart but then I hated the performance so I was like never mind I'm going to sleep <laughs> but I'm the only one everybody else that I follow on Twitter and Letterboxd is like four stars or better so it, you, you, you always have your taste in movies I'll say that really. <laughs> Um, so, Colin, what did you think of this as a newbie? Because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to hear this. Well, I can't help but like this movie. <laughs> if only because, I mean, you, just hearing you describe the plot in a matter-of-fact matter, it's it's hard not to smile at how just 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 surface-level crazy this movie is. I will I will say, like, partly why I can't help but like this movie is it's hard is is probably like. It just seems so original to me, and that's probably because I'm a Cronenberg noob, and probably the best way to understand this is not really in a vacuum so much as within his milieu, you know, and his style. Um, and uh, I'll also say that when I saw it, so I saw it in the, uh, I saw it when I was on vacation and I was in Denver, and I saw it at this 90 year old theater um, in downtown Denver. Um, I also will add sort of that, like, I was I kind of came in at sort of the end of the day and I was not entirely sober, which is a real threat when 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 you start a movie that I like I could fall asleep. It could definitely happen. Yeah. So, uh I did not fall asleep. So, that that this this movie definitely did grab me. Um yeah, I think 
it's like almost a movie that like I've been looking forward to unpack because it's just it's a dense movie. But I definitely feel like I was kind of so smacked over by how like rivetingly strange it was that it, I couldn't help but like it. I almost am not truly sure how I actually feel about it, other than just the kind of the joy of a sensory experience of watching a crazy movie. Yeah. Um, so that's a great. That's a great like. Uh, I guess interpolation of like a first experience with David Cronenberg because sure, like I yeah. can I can remember the first time I watched like Videodrome where I was just like what the fuck is this <laughs> like um, but yeah um, I also really like this movie um, insofar as like I'm glad to see David Cronenberg back on his game like delving into all the stuff that he clearly is like obsessed with like the the human body and like the ways in which it you know um the ways in which we relate to our own bodies and the ways in which we sort of relate that to like art that we make too um i love that he like in multiple of his movies has people in these scenarios where this like body horror is happening like they are still like making art and they're mm-hmm. a lot of times making art based specifically on the body horror that has happened to them or like is about the things that will happen to them in the movie um that's always really that's always fun to me like in his movies and in particular like in this movie i think he's come up with a really interesting like new spin on that um and i i like that he i i think because i i've seen some of his movies in the past and like if i think more about the ways that their you know like politics relate to now i'm a little like oh he you know doesn't seem as with it if i'm if i'm reading that right like eastern promises is mostly just like you know a a cop drama for for being you know uh real about it and um i'm just like I don't really like that character being a cop, but then it, it feels like this movie's almost directly sort of like referencing that and saying like, Oh, you know what? I, I have actually changed. Um, and I do, you know, want to, want to like put this out there that like, you know, it's, it's the, the cop characters don't come off good in this. Like, like everybody who's a narc doesn't come off good in this. And I, I also think that there's some really interesting stuff about like techno fetishism in this movie that I he's kind of hinted at before, but I don't think I've ever seen him like go at it, like actually run it down the way that he does in this movie. Like he he does seem like he's like not on board with the whole techno fetishism angle, um, which I, I think is like commendable. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just I like. You mean with those girls? Yeah, the repair girls. The, the, yeah, the the women who repair the uh, the the surgery instruments that uh, Leah Sadu and uh, Viggo Mortensen use. It, it's I'm not like, so sure this movie is condemning it though. It seems like it's a little ambivalent. I I you know? I don't think so though. I th- I, I mean I don't say it's endorsing it either, but you they're know. murderers. Yeah, that that's the thing <laughs> yeah. that gets me because it's like they come in at the end and are like pretty unremorseless killers. And in a little bit in the same vein of like if and again like this is me going back to in my experience with Cronenberg but like almost in the experience of the uh, the two characters from the beginning of History of Violence who are just these like 
stone face like cold as ice killers and like the only thing that that those two women in this movie seem to be excited by is like the technology they're like incredibly horny for technology and everything else they're just like doesn't matter like taking a human life who gives a shit like we get to look at cool tech and that's all we care about you know that's all that that's all that like revs our motor is cool tech um is it really tech though or are they just really into the like because it is also the the like what where the human body is now and the ways that you can mutilate it and get in in, in... yeah i just don't think that they're interested in the human body though like i i don't Mm. think they never show interest in the actual bodies well maybe not human beings but they're they're not interested in human beings but they're definitely like interested in 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 the ways that the the modern society portrayed in this movie can can mess with the human body yeah i just don't think that it the movie never shows them being like interested in the bodies themselves the bodies they could care less about it's the machine that they are interested in like that's all they want to look at is the the machine without anybody in it (laughs) they would rather like you know I, i i don't know but then you you do have a character who's like very into that idea of the body too which is Kristen Stewart's character who's the uh I guess like the deputy chief of the organ registry which is a very fleabag organization (laughs) a comically fleabag organization it's a new government organization just opened brand new and like he hints that like we're not even officially official yet (laughs) but we're going ahead and doing some work and you know and and they really might not be on the up and up at all i think it's even implied that they're kind of not they're like yeah (laughs) they're a little bit just like a bunch of narcs who are just they have an office uh, are they even actually related to the like the the police officer plot line really it's uh, well they they do yeah they, i guess they do have that scene where the the police officer does come in and like question them and he kind of like doesn't really know what the hell they're doing like what they even have going on um but i suppose it, it is implied that they sort of like are i guess that's the first time they're filing a report with the actual police about about their organization and about their like registrations that they've been doing um but i think that's interesting that you you interns have characters who are both like fetishistic about technology and then you have people who are fetishistic about like actual bodies and you know it's it's and not... David Cronenberg, centrist about the transhumanist <laughs> experiment. You, you shouldn't, you shouldn't fetishize uh, just the classic human body that doesn't change at all. But you also <laughs> you shouldn't fetishize science as some sort of cure-all. Yeah, for... it, it, and it might also be that he's saying like <laughs> you shouldn't fetishize it to the point that you don't want it to change. Like you, and yes. and I actually like yeah, I I kind of got some where... vibes where he he seemed like. He was working through like maybe some of his own stuff that he has put out in the past where it's like he's like yeah like why why are we afraid of things changing like why why should that be scary correct and, and yeah we're, we're getting to some of the themes that i was hinting at earlier but like in that interview segment the things that i was thinking when i was watching the movie he explicitly said were intentionally part of it, which is he was like, you know, governing bodies shouldn't rule how people, uh, what people do with their own bodies. And he was, 
I can't remember his exact quote, but he said specifically he was talking about trans people and he was talking about people with uteruses not being able to get abortions. He was like, that's one of the major themes that's going on with this movie. So, yeah, I mean, this movie's about good stuff, essentially. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I agree. I, like, I did not hear that the, interview, but, but I, I think The overall that, yeah. theme of the movie, which is like, don't yeah. police people's yeah. bodies. <laughs> or, or yeah, and, and even like, uh, oh God, yeah, I, I I forgot that I I didn't mention like the opening of this movie, um, basically has a mother just murdering her child. Uh, yeah, and we we who, don't who know becomes why. the who yeah. becomes this a central point of the plot right. later. He, he's eating a trash. He's can. eating a trash can. You don't really know what <laughs> why that distresses her so much. Well, in the very beginning, of like after that nice pulled out shot of the ocean where he's 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 messing around on the rocks and, and she yells at him like don't eat anything yeah. which is was like, ominous is like, an ominous way to start the movie she not want him to like eat oy- like oysters he finds yeah. in there or what yeah that's unclear and then finally the first sinister thing we see him eat is the trash can yeah, in the bathroom like, which is a little gross kind of like, but yeah, like definitely not like uh, not eat a garbage I, can I wonder yeah. what that trash can was made out of that's what I was mostly thinking about yeah. that scene was it like fondant yeah yeah like, the kid was really this, eating it. it's like is this cake yeah but that's it's, yeah. it's David Cronenberg made an extremely hidden episode of Is That Cake? <laughs> <laughs> it's a cake yeah. of microplastics. That's a, that's a funny thing to think about. Where you're like, what did they actually make that out of? That's funny. Um, this movie also just, I think one one of the ways this movie throws you in the deep end of the pool, especially with that like opening scene, is you're also just kind of like not clear on what the social norms are, period. Like, the fact that, like, this woman murders her child and doesn't appear to be fully psychotic. This movie clearly doesn't like her particularly, but she also, at the same time, she can, A, just do this with very very little repercussions on her part. And and doesn't appear, and it seems like it's fairly normal that she can raise a kid who's, like, I don't know, over five years old and and somehow hasn't, still not bonded to him. I mean, the social norm, like, that, that, immediately you're, like, the social norms of, that we've been thrown into in this movie are like unpredictable. It, it, yeah, it, it does sort of like, and I, I kind of like this too. I, I like that the movie doesn't try and over-explain that. Opening. I mean, like, yeah, mm-hmm. it, the first scene really does that, and I appreciate it. But a lot of the scenes that follow are just <laughs> people explaining, explaining things. things. There's a lot of explaining in this movie. Yeah, yeah, I can see that being a problem. I do feel like... Uh... There's like three minutes where they're just talking about how everyone loves performance artists now and how performance artists are like the new celebrities of this world. And I'm like, all right, I guess. <laughs> I mean... Uh... He loves to explain things. That's all Cosmopolis is, if you've never well, seen the, it. Um... It's just two hours of Robert... Pattinson talking. He's also working off of a, a book in that <laughs> yeah. one too. So that that's what the book is. <laughs> yeah. The book is him explaining things. <laughs> so his movies tend to be a little bit talky. Well, well like not... the fly isn't because I mean maybe yeah. that's why it's so much more popular than some of the other yeah. ones. But, but I mean, like I, I feel like not all of them. Like uh, yeah. Scanners isn't as talky. Scan- oh well, yeah, Scanners has some uh, some explanations in it, but it's mostly about like. I feel like it's this... Naked Lunch and After is when he became talky. Yeah, well, Naked Lunch again—that's him working from a from a novel source material. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, comfortable with lots of dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> comfortable. I mean, he he's always been a director who I don't think that people would categorize him as talking. Like they, the things that people remember from his movies are his visuals, yeah. and, and like in particular, specifically the art direction. Yeah, the the, the extremely props. gross like <laughs> practical effects that he uses in his movies. That and not only just not just gross, but like unsettling. Like I would say that. There's stuff in this movie that's not necessarily gross, but it's unsettling. Like, when you first see Vigo's character, he's in this... Flea. It's a bed. <laughs> Tick. It's moving him around, and it's very... It feels very wrong to look at. Looks like at. a giant flea. It is so... <laughs> a giant pulsating so flea. It's so unnerving. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, but the the chair he has that's supposed to help him like digest. That his one food. I think is funny. <laughs> that's, that's, those are pretty funny, and like because it's just like a lazy boy massaging chair, except for it's like bones instead yeah, of yeah. instead of leather. It's like moving. And he's like, <laughs> uh, 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 it's like trying to eat. And it's just, you're just like this. This looks insane. Like it looks. It looks just. It seems like the people in this world love aesthetics, you know, <laughs> even in, 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 in certainly this movie's more interested in that into like giving you like some hard science fiction <laughs> on what the hell a bone machine is, how, yeah. how helpful that is, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm sure it's, you know, they're artists, so of course they like the aesthetics, you know. Yeah, but I, I also love that like, not only is he like, this, this is going to be a ballet performance art, but he's also going to like kind of have the artist be like kind of a dick because he's just like running down the other performance artists that he goes to see and he's just like oh it's just ears everywhere they don't even work like, <laughs> he's just like crouching in the corner like a goblin just being like this, this fucking guy with his ears what is he even doing <laughs> i like it i like that so much because it's like it's a really virtuoso like you know <laughs> yeah makeup effect is this guy covered in ears and then of course the main character comes like so lame yeah it's like it's this derivative <laughs> he's like a grown ears whatever he's like dustin hoffman's character from uh Myrovitz stories where he's just like i don't i don't know it's just derivative it's the same thing over and over again i don't know if the person on twitter was being serious or not but i saw someone commented and say the ear guy in crimes of the future is cronenberg's commentary on the mcu <laughs> I think it was one of those things that was like 50% joke, 50% real, where they're like, I don't really believe this, but like, I don't really not believe it either. <laughs> Who knows what the truth is? Uh, they're just asking questions. Yeah. <laughs> Do your own research if you don't agree with them. <laughs> I mean, every filmmaker, regardless of whether they want to have an MCU take, probably has an MCU take after all these years. So, I mean, sure. Maybe I mean, all the there. reporters ask them now because True. they know it'll get hate clicks. It's, that it's, drives traffic. Like, yeah. Scorsese was such... That Scorsese yeah. quote was so good for the for the jacking about movie <laughs> world. So, they're, yeah. they're trying to get... What about you? You got a Scorsese quote about how they're not yeah. cinema? Give it, give yeah. it to us. Lay yeah. it on. <laughs> get that click. Get them clicks, baby. Yeah. yeah. I... I... also, like... Just enjoy that that performance is is more of like him actually using his body because it's like as far as vigo's performances go 
it's just him really like just laying there for, for the most part and that guy is actually like dancing and like moving and, like, but he's, he's getting cut stuff. open you know yeah yeah and i, and I suppose like and it is like intense because surgery is probably tiring yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to really read into it you can do it as a comparison between face acting and uh whole body acting because the ear guy like you said he's doing stuff with his whole body and because just going yeah yeah, <laughs> man, making those strange faces. It's like face acting is what everyone talks about or recognizes, yeah. like popularly, and physical like body acting is always like not looked as highly upon. Yeah, I was thinking about how like I I think this is really only the second Vigo performance I've actually watched post like uh, post Aragorn as in because okay. I I is didn't the see other history. One green book. Was, the other one is not Green Book. Um, the other one is Hidalgo, which is oh, a movie. Believe it or not, so. believe it or not, I mean it does exist. I remember the year two thousand seven, oh and I did see yes. that. I did see that Hidalgo. I worked with somebody who was in that movie. Really, um, that guy who um, what is his name? He's also in Wonder Woman. Um, oh yeah, he's the like Middle Eastern guy. The caricature. Yeah, the caricature guy. I'm trying to remember his name. That's uh, Saeed Tagmaoui. That's his name. I mean, besides <laughs> the fact that I do actually remember the title and that I have seen it, there's not a lot of details I remember about it. So I know he's riding a horse through the desert. That's all I know about Hidalgo. I want to see a history of violence more now, just because like I actually really liked Vigo in this movie, and I think like he's maybe... yeah, he's a pretty decent actor. He, he has yeah, him and. I, I mean, you know, it's it's. Oh, move your phone away from the mic. Sorry. Uh, him and David Cronenberg have a pretty good relationship at this point, as far as I can tell, because it's like, it seems like David Cronenberg just lets him do really fun stuff for for an actor. He's just like, all right, we're gonna do an entire movie where you have like a weird organ growing inside of you, and you have to make these like pained faces all the time. So the whole movie, you're just like in pain, and it's like. Or it's like he's given a whole him movie a... where you have a terrible Russian accent <laughs> yeah. and no one comes to me. Yeah. A terrible Russian accent. And then one you of have the to, worst then Russian accents you ever Fight heard. someone naked yeah. <laughs> and stab them in the eye. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah, but it it just seems like he gives him like I don't know if, if it was like an acting class. It's like a, it's like a yeah. it's like a, here's a, the thing that you have to act the scene with, and it's instead of just a scene, it's the whole movie. And so that seems like it would be fun for an actor to just be like, all right, I've got a thing. Like, I can just revolve my performance around this thing. Did you hear about the Vigo Julia DeCarno beef? Oh, no. It's not really beef. It was just like, for some reason, I don't even know if she responded to it, but he was like, you know, he said that Tatane was like not interesting he said that it was like it had like one weird thing about it but it wasn't actually about anything like deeper or meaningful unlike crash mm. <laughs> while he was doing press for this movie mm. he's just wow. like throwing shooting strays Damn. out and <laughs> like the newest I... body horror person <sighs> i don't, I don't want to hear that i don't want to hear that there's beef between vigo and julia de Cordo. <laughs> I, I love i love them both i don't want them to fight <laughs> some beefs are real bummers you know <laughs> Well, at least it's not a, it's not an actual beef. It's it's probably just a stray comment. <laughs> I, I look forward to the day oh. when uh, Julia DeCorno and uh, David Cronenberg can work together, and we, we can finally get the the Garance Mirelier, uh, uh Vigo Mortensen film that we deserve. Uh, Garance Mirelier can can reprise her character from Raw and 
Vigo could play the the guy that she's got to like eat his new organs or whatever. Like, come on, I'm, I'm coming up. This is this is gold, everybody. This is an extended cinematic universe, the extended body horror cinematic universe. Uh, I'll also say I liked Kristen Stewart's performance. I thought it was fun. You know, I think she she plays it. Uh, I kind of like she 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 is exceptionally twitchy in this movie. Yeah, I will say I was like. I, I often find her twitchy in movies, but like she's they lean into it with this movie. Yeah, it felt know? like David Cromer was like, yeah, just do do that, but more. Like, do more of that. Actually, I mean, the thing that people complain about with Kristen Stewart, I think, is generally not true of her, which is that she gives one note performances, like that she has mm-hmm. like one thing going on. But it's definitely true for this movie. There's just <laughs> there's just one one thing, and I'm like, oh. yeah. I guess if you really well, her like, I guess it, it's funny. Yeah, if you think it's funny, yeah. like you can I just mean, laugh. She is a small part of this movie. It, it's true. Like she's not in it very much, so that doesn't really bother me that much. Because I'm like, yeah, she's one note. Like the techno fetishists are one note. Like the the guy who's the like leader of the the mutants or whatever is almost one note. Like he he gets just enough screen time to actually like flesh out a little bit but i mean it helps that his son's dead and all that yeah that gives um, him some the son's a little one note i mean yeah so i can't even say anything uh <laughs> then he's dead <laughs> he's dead he just eats a trash lazy performance dead. what's he been doing uh that's yeah. scott speedman i've never seen him be oh, yeah. even like okay before but he was fine in this that's probably the crowning achievement of this movie is <laughs> that fine. they got like an okay performance from scott, scott speedman, speedman. I know him from like Underworld, where he's like unwatchable. Uh, Cronenberg likes uh, he likes getting people who are like kind of uh, in a lot of schlock movies and putting them in. I mean, I guess it's uh, you could say the same thing about like Quentin Tarantino or whatever. Like, he loves to grab a B movie actor and put them in something good and like really push them. Uh, but no, I yeah, I, I also like his performance in this. Like, I would I would go so far as to say that I enjoy his performance it's not just speedman speed yeah yeah because i i i think that you start off the movie thinking like oh this guy's kind of a heel like he's a creep because he's like oh cut my son open or whatever but like he the movie actually like lets him sort of like i guess not necessarily redeem himself but like warm to the audience and i think he does it like by the end like right before he is uh, murdered by uh, techno fetishists. He 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 does seem like the most sympathetic character in the entire movie at that point. Because um, I I, I kind of like the the. It's a twist. You think he's a bad dad, but yeah. he's actually the other type of dad, a sad dad. <laughs> sad dad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whether or not he's a bad dad, dad. He's definitely a sad dad. Yeah. Only two types of dads in cinema. <laughs> ones who who uh are the dads of the protagonists and so then they're bad dads that's that are responsible for everything that's going wrong in the protagonist's life and they're so, going to get so, mad at yeah. them or issues yeah. the <laughs> or they're sad dads because they feel guilty about the ways in which they weren't able to make their children <laughs> into, yeah. Yeah. into the best some... version of themselves i guess there's clueless comic relief dads oh yeah but maybe that's more of a show yeah. thing he's, he's kind of a bad dad actually yeah no. <laughs> if I'm, but the, if I'm being honest star wars is also the same classic arc you think he's a bad dad but he's actually a sad dad <laughs> that's the big uh, twist of star wars sad. Sad dad. 
<sighs> Sad Darth Vader. <laughs> somebody somebody posted on uh God, what was that on? The bad on dead, the sad dead pipeline. It was a uh, I guess like an extended universe Star Wars comic where Darth Vader ran into the fucking, um, those two little kids, like the little Greedo kid and the, uh, other kid who were like making fun of Anakin when he's trying to build a pod racer. It's like, he, I, I don't know why he's on some planet <laughs> stranded somewhere and they're like, yeah, we have this old pod racer. We don't, nobody knows how to fly him anymore or whatever. And it's like Darth Vader. You're just like. <laughs> god damn <laughs> it's funny how much the prequels are really part of our culture <laughs> you know because i'm like oh yeah the little greedo kid i know exactly yeah, who you're yeah. talking about is it greedo that's what i still want it, yeah it's it's not but i'm trying to remember what that uh alien race is called what are they called it's not i have your, no idea andorians <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have andorians is, is d- different star no, no, no. The, the, the Trek version, not the war. Iridorians, yeah. Okay, uh, of course. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to look it up. But going back to this movie, I think the thing that, and this is like, I think this is more of just me thing, but like I, I love that David Cronenberg is like absolutely not afraid to be extremely horny in his movies. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you, you just, and that like, is one of his qualities. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, the fly is extremely yeah. horny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's all, like <laughs> so many of his movies are, are like horny in so many different ways. Um, but this one is like, it's more fun than I think, his horniness has has been in a long time i would say because I, I think there's like would you say that surgery is the new sex <laughs> this movie says this multiple times or whatever <laughs> sex is the new surgery um and then there's even the like i can't have sex the old way <laughs> that's a line in this movie but yeah the um god i mean leah sadu like licks his his wound like literally licks his his stomach wound and uh god although i mean the techno fetishist stuff is kind of funny too but i think the the like actually the most sensual part of the movie is when leah sadu is going she goes to her own like not her performance but a performance just on her own and she meets the woman who's had like her face cut open and she's just like so into the face cutting open thing that she does like the little like thing with her forehead where she cuts it open and i was just like this is like somebody having a having an awakening like they are discovering something new about themselves and it's actually I like this does awaken something yeah in me. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like the dean from community it's it, it is awakening something in her and uh I thought that was like a really endearing scene after that. I was just like, God, that that's like the best part of the movie, honestly. Like just seeing her with the little thing on her forehead, just like it's there. It's nobody like chastises her for it. Like she's just, you know, discovering something about herself. And I, I like that. I, love, I like that that's included in the movie. It's like she's like a, in some ways jealous of <clears throat> the fact that She's performing the surgery, but like Vigo gets to be the subject of the art, and she wants to be the subject. 
a you little know? bit. I, I don't know if it's if it's necessarily like the surgery so much as it is just like her wanting her body to look a certain way or like just feel a certain way. And that that to me, like her just seeing that in another person and like it reflecting back on her is really cool. Like I, I liked that that was included in the movie because like from what I understand, that's a lot of how like trans awakenings happen. It's where they see someone else who reflects back at them what they want or how they feel inside and it i don't know if it, it like gives them a roadmap almost to being like this is how this is who i want to be i want to aspire to that and i i was just like that's a cool thing that like it didn't need to be part of this movie like it's not really necessary in the plot but it is like it's just cool because it fits with all of the themes in this movie and it you know this this is basically a movie about like human beings moving forward you know and and what is essentially like a dystopian landscape um i also think it's kind of funny that like the future in this movie looks awful like it just looks like Mm -hmm. (laughs) is it dystopian (laughs) i feel like we're supposed to think it's dystopian based on how it begins but the movie is essentially humans will just adapt to live in horrible circumstances and be fine. True. It's definitely not... The horrible parts of it are the people who are really obsessed with the past, like who are trying to hold on to something that doesn't exist anymore. I would say it's not utopian. <laughs> so sure. True. I guess it's somewhere... It, it falls somewhere in between. I mean, it's... it's a, it, It's for sure a movie that's influenced by noir, which, by the way, mm-hmm. is why the like old... A government building. Yeah, it's like it even it even has like the signage like a detective agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new uh, Oregon registration place has like the old like I just rewatched both the Big Sleep and the Maltese Falcon recently, and it has the same lettering, the same like oh. little um, bubbly windows that yeah. like you can't see yeah, through. Yeah, like, opaque windows. Yeah, that's mm. uh, like, and then I think also the arc of Viggo Mortensen is a like sort of more hopeful version of like the noir detective's arc because he's like in the underbelly. Um, but then we turn, it turns out like by the end of the movie, he realizes that this underbelly is actually the good place to be. It's sort of like him leaving, yeah. <laughs> realizing yeah. that trying to get into the real world would actually be the mistake. Yeah. He, he's, <laughs> he's realizing world. that the, the, the real evil, society is the uh, repression of uh, you know the the established systems uh that's pretty yeah yeah because i mean like most noirs uh revolve around you know like these men having this realization that the the world isn't what they thought it was or whatever and like being sad at the end and this one is like him being or, or being unable yeah. to escape yeah. something that yeah. they've done in the past and being dragged back down into the into the bad world. And yeah, this one is pretty explicitly hopeful. Like he's eating the plastic candy bar and he's happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's that's that's a cool scene too. Like I love the way that uh, you know, it, even if Cronenberg doesn't, um, he doesn't seem to uh, 
espouse the techno fetishism like the tech in his movies always looks really fucking cool <laughs> like the little like ring cameras that Leah Sadu's character has uh, oh yeah those are cool, cool yeah <laughs> there's definitely a nice less is more less is more thing that I guess he's he's kept yeah. from his low budget days <laughs> yeah and, and that's that's really cool too is like this this movie has some like fantastic you know art direction and I guess that's that's not an uncommon thing for him but all those props have got to be like so cool like somebody's got to have those now somewhere like mm-hmm. uh I think that's also something that's so refreshing about this movie is to see a movie where it's like, I mean, is there much in the way of CGI in this movie? Yeah. I mean, there's you know? there's certainly some on the the part where they're actually opening up yeah. like Vigo's body and sure. the, the child's body. I think, yeah. probably. or that that may actually just be like, I mean, yeah, yeah. To, not to spoil every, everything, but like they do cut open a child uh, in a, in a performance, and I think it's mostly a just like mannequin body. Um, that may actually be the most shocking part of the movie is yeah, to yeah. actually see like a dead naked child in the movie. It's definitely I feel like the thing that like people aren't saying it in so many words but probably the most one of the more controversial things about the movie, you know. I, I would imagine so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's uh Yeah, this this movie like it definitely doesn't pull those punches. It's like mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to like see you know this boy's like body be cut open and his organs be pulled out uh, so if you're not into that <laughs> yeah if uh, if that makes you squeamish then maybe give this one a miss but yeah i i do think it's you know it's definitely against the grain of the way that movies have sort of been headed recently especially mainstream movies where it's like more and more gravitating to this sort of like clean you know, like non R rated mm-hmm. side. And even in R rated movies, like it's more like just you can show a little but not too much. I don't know. It's I, I it, it's it's a weird thing because it's like I feel like I see plenty of movies and I don't notice it, but like I have been noticing it more and more and like I guess it is true of like actual mainstream movies that make a lot of money well, it's like even a lot of mainstream movies and tv are very violent yeah you know but they're not but in some ways like you know the violence is very normal but i don't know if like things that are like visually disturbing is is, is like in in that kind of tactile way is it's really tactile that, is the word that i always use the modern yeah. violence does not feel like it's actually happening to real human bodies mm-hmm. and that you're watching like the destruction of a human person it always you know i think part of it is that like pretty much most of like the modern crop of directors working now were very influenced by tarantino who like used violence in a very specific way but they don't like i don't think they like went back and watched like old violent movies like old westerns or anything like that to like see where tarantino got like his moves from and mm-hmm. so there's this like his is already disconnected from real world violence mm-hmm. to begin with, and theirs is like another step further and without is like an intentional conscious use of it. Because I always feel like personally when I watch a Tarantino movie that like his the cartoonishness of his violence is almost like a meta commentary on our ability to like 
slurp it up yeah. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah. just be like mm, yeah yum, yum, sure. yum. <laughs> i love this violence and like yeah. the fact that you're like not taking it seriously is like part of the point yeah and i mean like explicitly in inglorious bastards but yes. i think in all all of his movies yeah. Yeah. um oh, for kill bill for sure like that yeah. entire fight scene in the uh, <laughs> house of blue leaves it was just the like crazy 88 yeah the crazy 88 it's just like endless uh, like you know uh spiky ball swinging yeah <laughs> yeah but so i think that's part of it like he's sort of like the forefather of like filmmaking of like the last 50, american filmmaking of like the last 15 years in a way um and then i mean i think the other part is kind of like what we talked about is like the material conditions of filmmaking these days which is that like the way that like action a lot of the times happens is that like the stunt team like practices for like months on their own to like figure out these intricate things and then they get like you know half a day on a green screen set and then it's like, heavily cut yeah you know it's it's like every every action move is is on a cut yeah. you know like so and so it's all you know the cg the like lack of the like stunt team and because like just as a, an example of like an action movie we probably all like is when they were doing the action for the matrix the stunt team worked with the actors for weeks and weeks and weeks to figure out like who they like were like in terms of like their body movement and stuff like that to be like mm. oh uh really the only thing that what's his name uh no uh the bad, the bad guy you go weaving it's like uh, all that guy can do is like punch and it's like so we're just gonna make him like kind of like robotic like you know yeah. just like a like a rock'em sock'em boxer essentially <laughs> <laughs> or whatever and then they were like uh trinity is like extremely graceful like she had like a bit of ballet training they're like so we're gonna have her do like a lot of little flippy things and you know things like that like really emphasize the way her body moves and they practice like for weeks with the actors to like whereas like now you know the actors might be like with the big mcu type movies they might be like three to five weeks it's like all that they'll get them for <laughs> yeah you know and yeah. sometimes like they're not i've like heard you know like I, through interviews and stuff like they there will be actors in the movies who never actually see each other like even if they're in the same scene like they never actually yeah. interact with each other and like that's bad enough in an acting scene but an action scene yeah where it's just like two people like punching air mm -hmm. and then they just like green screen it together it's not going to feel like anything real yeah and, um, and to go back to what you're saying about the matrix too it's like they also had all of that choreographed by Yuan Wu Ping, who worked in the earlier era. So they were sort of like what you were saying, like going back to the earlier era of someone who worked when there was none of that. Like you just yeah. had to fight. <laughs> you just had to fight with the other actor because that was the only way to do it. And so, yeah, that that's that's kind of cool too. That's, that's a similar thing of like going back to the earlier era, seeing where it all came from. But I do think it's all of it together. Like, if if it was just, like, one of the things, if, like, if it was just really CGI-heavy stuff, but, like, the stunt team actually worked with the actors and they built up the, you know, on, like, a real set as opposed to just a green screen with, like, some plastic rocks sitting around or something like that. If they did it, like, on a real set and then just, like, used a lot of CGI to, like, make it... I don't know, kickier and punchier and stuff like that. And I, I think mean, that would the, still the CGI feel... CGI is innovative in that movie. Yeah, you know, and would still, feel you know. real. Mm -hmm. 
um, like the Matrix, but because like every step of the way, it's another step removed from two humans actually interacting with each other in like a real tactile yeah. physical you, way you, it does you, not yeah you, you don't notice like it when it's when it's one <laughs> one step like you can get away with it but then like the more you keep layering on like the, the more degree it's like it's like when you know people uh like transfer music files or whatever they'll be like i'll oh, just make it an mp3 or whatever like you won't notice but then you like you transfer it to one place and you transfer it to yeah. another and like eventually you start noticing that degradation in sound where you're like oh right like yeah if it's the final song and you transfer it to mp3 that's fine for the most part you can you can get it but it's like this is just the saxophone track and we're going to transfer it to mp3 to be used in the song later <laughs> yeah and it's like no you can't do that yeah, that's got to yeah. be Unwise. real high quality but sure, yes, this movie has physicality to it. It never doesn't feel pretty mm -hmm. tangible. And yeah. the Scott Speedman death scene is pretty <laughs> upsetting. Yeah. As yeah. far as that's concerned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty good. It's, and it's, it's interesting, too, because this, this movie is like, there, there isn't really a like violent confrontation. Like there, People get killed, but they almost like, don't yeah. they don't either don't see it coming or it happens to them through some means where it's just like it's not actually somebody fighting with them they just you know like that one guy like eats one of the plastic bars and just falls over dead yeah and, or the you know the, the little and the only the only one you really see is the beat very beginning when the, the little boy is smothered by his mother yeah and i was gonna say that's that probably is, the yeah. most <laughs> even that is one. like he doesn't see it coming yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, maybe, like, one thing that I guess could be a flaw is that, like, I feel like Vigo is a, you know, he's such a passive character, like, part of his whole thing is that he's just being used, you know, all through the movie, and so you're never super clear what he really wants and desires, other than he's just always uncomfortable, <laughs> you know, he's, uh, he's, he's being used by, uh, like, by his, the art world, he's being used by, as an informant, and, and, and he's kind of allowing himself to sort of be registered with this this flea bag government organization and then and then sort of at the very end and, and then really the only time he kind of takes some agency is at the end i guess but like there's not a clear perf feeling of what he wants candy bar yeah candy bar is is, is the thing that i mean the good candy, motivation the candy bar of agency yeah the candy <laughs> bar yeah yeah, I do feel like this is a movie that like, I only saw once, and I'm like, well, maybe a second time, once I have a better sense of how coherent this movie is or isn't, is where I'll decide I'll like it. But now I'm kind of like, no, maybe I just need to go on a Cronenberg trip, and then I'll decide, come back to this movie and decide how much I really I, like I, it. I would recommend it, honestly. Yeah. Like, I, I, I would say, like, it did, I, I don't know where exactly to tell you to start. I mean, maybe. Just watch video, Jim. Yeah, Videodrome I mean, and Scanners are, of course, the movies that, like, video, even though I haven't seen those movies, they have images that have scared me since I was a kid. You know, absolutely. I just didn't get around to ever seeing them. Maybe because they scared me. <laughs> those, are, those are definitely good starting points. Videodrome, Scanners. Um, Crash is actually pretty similar to this movie also. Um, car Crashes crash the yeah. New Sex? Yes, yeah. Car, car Crashes of the New Sex. Um, 
I get Crash confused with another that that Oscar There's another that, Crash. Is that yeah. the movie Crash? The the, 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 the two movies Paul called Crash. Crash. The, the cringy uh, Best Picture yeah, winner. The, the cringy yeah. Paul Haggis. Movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's the David Cronenberg predates that yeah, one. It, the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, but are they both from the two thousands or is no? Ninety six. Yeah, ninety six. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, if you're going a little deeper, um, the Brood is mm. another good like early horror movie that he did. Um, Dead Ringers is the one that's in the Criterion Collection. Dead Ringers, yeah. Dead Ringers <laughs> is another good one. That one was, I think, that was the first time that any of his movies got nominated for an Oscar because Jeremy Irons got nominated for best, best actor i think where jeremy irons plays his own twin in that movie. Yeah. so that's that's an oscar material one. yeah that's a, that's a unique one and yet they didn't nominate nick cage for adaptation <laughs> i think they did didn't they i thought he did get nominated he get nominated if he didn't boo well he had he had already won he'd already won so Vegas, sure so. sure that's um, how that works and then um you know like Getting into the later stuff, I guess history of violence and Eastern promises are kind of a kind of a twofer. Yeah, uh, right. That's when he start that. That's when he started working with Vigo. Was there was those two movies, and then um, I thought it was just script and Meryl Streep, but script yeah. Meryl Streep, Cage, and Cooper. And then uh, Cooper's the one who won, I think. Um, did he? Yeah, I think that's that's where he won his Oscar was oh, for adaptation. Interesting. Um, well, unless it was Amer- I don't think it was American Beauty. I think he won Best Sporting Actor for Adaptation. I hope he didn't win for American Beauty. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Unfortunately, American Beauty won a lot of Oscars. Yeah. He, he, several. <laughs> he did. He did win for Adaptation. Okay, good. He's Take wonderful in that movie. Good. Yeah. You know, he's much better in that movie than he is in American Beauty. <laughs> yeah, that makes. I don't more blame sense. him. Uh, Speaking of yeah. one note, <laughs> yeah. one, one of the worst <laughs> characters ever written. Oh, it's like, what if there was a gay man, but he was really closeted <laughs> and violent towards gay men? I'm uh, like. Uh, Oh God! <laughs> Progressive for 1999. Wasn't that what Power of the Dog was about? No. No. Okay. <laughs> no. I mean, I guess. I mean, closeted guy who's I don't, I kind of an asshole. Yeah. I haven't actually seen that movie, so I don't. I don't, I, I had heard people talking about like, oh yeah, he's, a, he's an asshole or whatever. But yes, he, he he's closeted and he's an asshole, but not specifically homophobic. Oh, I see. He's just a mean. Unruly just person. <laughs> He's yes. a very mean man. Yeah, he's mean to everybody, even people he likes. Yes, uh, like a sweet brother. Uh-huh. He just wants to do the dishes and listen to his wife play the piano. <laughs> I do kind of want to watch that. Now. I like Jane Campion. It's, it's, uh, uh-huh. I mean, I think that was basically my review of it. Was what's that actor's name from uh, Jesse? Plemons? Friday, yeah, Plemons, Plemons. Yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. I'd marry Jesse Plemons too if he offered to do the dishes for me. <laughs> Aww. Aww. Uh, there's a reason he's married to Kirsten Dunst. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's the way you seduce someone. He's, he's just like, can I help out with the dishes? And she's like, uh, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then a week later, they're married. They're married, and then they have a dance, and then he walks away crying because I'm so glad I am not alone anymore. <laughs> Good times. Worth uh, um, so yeah, um, Videodrome, Scanners. Uh, giving them a lot of homework. I, I'm oh just, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm just trying just to... Just like, watch hey, Videodrome, I'll, I'll, I'll and if, start, you, if you like that, yeah, go further. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. Videodrome, <laughs> Scanners, I'd say start, start there, and then if you want to get into the Vigo stuff, you know, History of Violence and Eastern Promises are the... 
And I'll say it was good. I like, again, second Vigo movie. Probably the second Vigo movie I've seen since he was Aragorn. And like, uh, but and it's nice. I feel like Hollywood has never known what to do with Vigo. After he was he in, after he was in Lord of the Rings, like, Vigo, 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 <laughs> Johnny Utah. Our, our, he decided that he's boy. okay with you now that yeah. you've been here an hour. Our yeah. baby boy decided to jump up on the couch. <laughs> hey, hey buddy. I'm surrounded by cats. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like Hollywood, like you're kind of handsome enough, but. I guess to be a leading man, but like you're kind of not a leading man. It's like it's almost like maybe like now that he's kind of an old guy, that maybe he's gonna, yeah, he, you know, like not too... exactly. But what would have happened if Steve Buscemi was like really hot? <laughs> like that's yeah. like Gilmoreinson's career. Like, yeah, because they can't quite pin it. They didn't in the 2000s. They couldn't quite pin him as a character actor. Yeah, it's like he was yeah. too good looking to be a character actor, but like he was yeah. not a leading guy. Yeah. Lord of the Rings, the perfect casting for him because the handsome guy does, is not the lead. Yeah. The lead is the little, you know, <laughs> sweet, round boy. <laughs> right. <laughs> sweet, round boy. The I little, the little Twinkie, that. the little donut. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And a, and like, mm, yeah. Bearded, like, screaming like dwarf a, guy gets more dialogue than him, like, probably. I like uh, tea and a little cake. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> No adventure for me. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we've we've been at it for uh, for over an hour now. So oh, sick. All right. Does anybody have any other thoughts about crimes of the future? Yeah, since we brought up the other oh, Cronenbergs, we kind of hinted at this, but I'll just make it explicit before we end the podcast that, like, in many ways, like this movie is almost like a repudiation of Videodrome because like in that movie the new flesh are like pretty explicitly the bad guys like the things that are changing human bodies are like scary and upsetting and somewhat unsurprisingly the central actor of that movie is a deeply weird (laughs) conservative dude Um, (laughs) and like the idea that this movie is like uh, you know change the you know it's like the old cliche like the only constant is change and like trying to pretend like uh to not adapt is you know to die or to suffer i guess in vigo's case to not adapt is to suffer mm-hmm. um yeah. yeah i mean which is a theme that i mostly agree with i just think it's a really boring movie <laughs> I, I guess what i guess we're all say is like it is, if it is in fact true that what you say that like this is a guy who like this guy's basically not changed his style. This movie could have been made what forty years ago is what like this, charge was. Like the things that you guys are talking about is looking cool, or the things that like bother me the most, like his bed or whatever. I'm like that could have been in any one of his movies where he had enough budget to do this. I'm like he in Dead Ringers, you know, or whatever. Like that could just be it, a prop in Dead Ringers. Like a hundred percent could just be in Dead Ringers or a Naked Lunch or whatever. And I'm just like, God, man, I don't know. Like, at least Cosmopolis, like, felt like a new thing because it's just, like, inside of a limo 90% of the time. <laughs> it's like, all right. That's, you know, <laughs> you know what? I did not like Cosmopolis. I don't like Cosmopolis it. either. And, and uh, that might have been why. Because um, I love that shit. Like, just keep <laughs> pumping that into my fucking veins, David Cromberg. And I mean, <laughs> give me more of that weird looking shit for people to lay inside of and. And seeing this movie in more of a vacuum than y'all, like, I mean, this movie is 
way cool as a movie that exists in in the 20 early 2020 series like it really stands out in a way that is appealing no matter how much you like the movie and i'm still not positive how much i, I like the movie i i of course gave it four stars on letterbox and four stars is my like robust this is a good movie thumbs up rating you know regardless of how much i love it so you know yeah we're crazy weird buckle up if you're uh yeah <laughs> if you're about to see I'm, it i'm 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 excited for a whole new generation of film watchers to check out a David Cronenberg movie. I mean, fingers crossed. Absolutely horrified by it. <laughs> a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't remember what people were like 20 years ago, but it really does feel like a lot of this generation of film watchers wants a smaller and smaller world and are like not interested in exploring anything at all. I think like the most upset slash worst I felt about the modern film landscape was when um, someone on a letterbox who I follow wrote a negative review of Shang-Chi and like what basically what they said was like you know this movie would be fine if you'd like never seen any actual classic martial arts films but you guys should seek like if you like that movie you guys should seek those out because those are so much better and people accused him of being racist and a gatekeeper and I was like He's recommending that you watch actual Asian cinema. <laughs> yeah. Shang-Chi is not Asian cinema. Do you understand? Like, and he's doing the opposite of gatekeeping. He's giving you a list of recommendations of what to watch and how to find it. Like that's, that's He's that's opening the gate. Mean, yeah. <laughs> the gate is open. And it's like, the thing is, they just want what they're already consuming to be called good enough. Uh, and I feel like you can say so, that, or at least interpret I mean, that as like, hey, I... I, th- I Check and, out these older movies, yeah. but that doesn't mean you can still like this newer piece of crap if you like, you yeah. know? Sure, you know. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the, like, I, I already forgot where I was going. But I, I will say something before when you guys were talking about, like, I think both things can be true about Leia, say, do, like, uh, scarring herself or whatever. <clears throat> I think it can both be a sexual thing and an artistic thing. And, like, the idea that when you're an artist who produces an artwork that like it's an expression of yourself but like especially like a movie or something like that like you produce a movie and then potentially like millions of people see it and they just sort of like take it and they're like this is actually mine now and you no longer are a part of it and this is like in a way like an, an artist's desire to be like actually i make the movie that's a part of me and also I'm a different person after having made it like that's still like mm. an extension of me like I'm part of the artwork now like it, you can't like a good artist like obviously just like someone who's just like making films for money or whatever and isn't putting any of the their own thoughts or feelings or philosophies into it that's not true of but you know uh, yeah. someone who actually is making film because they have something that they think about the world that they're trying to express that like you know i don't make any movies but like in some ways death of an author would be kind of an insulting premise to them to be like no i still yeah yeah that's i put a lot into that you can't just say that i'm not a part of it anymore yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah all right well um I don't have anything else to say. 
I guess I can. Can I do a plug? Yeah, plug, plug whatever you need to plug. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I might as well since for anyone if if you like movie podcasts, I'm I'm one of the people who started a movie podcast where it's called Movies for Decades, where we watch a movie from one movie from every decade starting in the twenties. Okay. It's with my it's with my um, two siblings, Helen and John, who we we've spent most of our lives. For one thing, we've known each other a long time, and uh, we also have. We 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 we've yacked about movies most of our lives. So, yeah. So this season we're I guess on season two. We watched 1922. We watched Nosferatu. Um, then 1932. We watched Freaks, okay. which is a really okay. interesting movie. I had not seen. I've heard I've heard a lot of people talk about that movie. It's uh... it's really an interesting movie. And uh, and then of course we did Casablanca for 1942. So we basically. Uh, so is that how you're doing it? You're doing it like season one is. 1921, 1931, 1941. Yeah, that's how it worked out. We, okay. we first talked about doing this in 2020, but we didn't get our act together, which is good because then we would have had like season zero. Instead, mm-hmm. we got this nice clean thing where season one is. So we've done we've done all season one where we did the ones, and so we have a nice sort of. So you you know we have a nice sort of built up bunch clump of episodes where if you kind of want to browse we uh we we as i think indicated here as i indicated here we sounds uh, like you have at least 11 episodes yes yeah i guess we have i guess what <laughs> uh, i guess we have 14 now 14 not a math pod so the um yeah and we have we do as i kind of indicated we do a variety of you know big movies more obscure movies we zip around genres we kind of watch what we want but the main thing to help us decide is the last digit, two or yeah. one. So, uh, do you think I, you'll loop around once you get through with season ten? I don't go know. Back, I go mean, back that, to one again. It'll be like at that point, I'm like, well, shit, we've been doing this ten years, so maybe, or or we we'll get you'll, there, you'll or we'll get another, there. Yeah, you'll have another decade to add on at the end of it. And then maybe we get there, and we might be like, all right, shit, fuck. We're, we might be up to season seven. We're like, are we still doing this shit? Yeah. So we'll see. But we're on. We're we're in season two. So yes, if it's if you like hearing. About movies and movie history and stuff, then that's one to check out. Movies for decades. I, I do love hearing about movies and movie history. Mm-hmm. I watch a lot of YouTube channels about <laughs> movies and movie history these days. Um, all right. Well, thanks very much for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it very much. Yeah, thank you. you for Great to have a nice, us. fresh perspective on Cronenberg. Since, uh, very nice I, to like do a podcast live. Yeah, <laughs> right. The first time we've ever had when we're all in the same room together. I can look at Colin's face and see whether he's about to say something and know whether or not to hold on for a second, as opposed to like not knowing whether or not Ilya has reacted yet. Looking at a little screen and yeah. also like yeah. with like a one point three second delay and being yeah. like, uh, almost no delay at light speed from a foot away. <laughs> almost no. Almost yeah. none. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening to this podcast. Um, if you enjoyed it, you can check us out at fancyfilmfellows.com. Um, you can also check us out on Spotify and whatever podcast aggregating service you use. Um, Podcatcher of choice. Do we, yeah. Do we know what the next episode is going to be? Or? Mm-hmm. We're going to do not this again about Bad Lieutenant. So I think uh, we're going to watch both the. The, what, what's that director? Abel, Abel Ferrara, Ferrara and Werner yeah. Herzog. Oh boy, Herzog, <laughs> one of my favorites. Uh, I uh, yeah, maybe I think maybe so. I'll try and be on that one because I remember really liking the Nick Cage Bad Lieutenant. 
I mean, I haven't seen either of them. <laughs> and the only Abel Ferrara movies I've seen are his remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers and Miss 45. So I haven't okay. really explored him at all. Hmm. Well, that'd be an interesting one. Abel Ferrara seems like an interesting uh, interesting director. Or right. violence. Yeah, a lot of violence. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, everybody. And we will see you later. Bye. 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 Bye.